Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. I, I just want to thank, of course, Pastor uh, Mark and Terry. They're in the Philippines right now. Uh, there's going to be a uh, what we call our Asia-Pacific Equipping Conference. That's going to be this Tuesday, uh, next week, to Thursday. So please be praying for us. I'm going to be leaving from Manila tomorrow night, just in time for the conference uh, there in Manila. So we're going to have all our pastors all over Asia just gather together and hear what God is doing and just to just to build uh, stronger relationships with one another. So it's going to be exciting. And I, I, I wish I had the time to talk about more what's happening outside of, uh, of outside uh, your church and see what's happening in every nation worldwide. And I understand you guys have been through the Inact uh, series. Is that correct? So you guys uh, went through six weeks of knowing who we are as a ministry. So that is uh, our way of telling you our vision and values and our, and our heart to really make an impact in every nation. So anyway, I'm just so glad to be here. And uh, I just want to say, Pastor Mark's not here, but I, I, just want you, I just want you to know he's an amazing man of God. I've known him for, for a number of years now. And so you, you guys are just blessed and privileged to have a man and a woman of God Terry that stands here, pastor you, lead you, and I just want to honor him. Uh, text him if you have the time to text him and just tell him we, we remember him and we honor him. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand for that. Praise God. My wife is with me here today, uh, my wife, Ida, and uh, please stand my wife, my, my darling wife. Uh, give her a big hand. We've been married now for 29 years. And uh, we celebrated our 29th uh, anniversary uh, a month ago, and it's been um, we've been celebrating for the last the last month actually. We've traveled. We went. We were in Hawaii uh, and celebrated there before our anniversary, and then we were in Australia two weeks ago. We celebrated there, and now we're here in Guam. We're still celebrating our anniversary, and so that's why when you serve God, you you actually you know celebrate anniversary actually for a whole month. No, that's uh, actually that's more like Filipino because in the Philippines it's Christmas already in the Philippines. So greet your neighbor and say Merry Christmas. <laughs> so you guys know in the Philippines if you if you uh, if if the Burr month starts uh, to begin like September, it's already Christmas. So we are actually greeting everyone already a Merry Christmas September, and so by December it's like we're Christmas party every day that spills over to January. So I don't know if it happens here, but just so glad to be here. I, I do have a photo of my family. Is that okay if I show just, just my family? I do have five children uh, right there, and uh, they all look good, right? You have to say yes, amen. Okay. My oldest son right there, right, right in front of that flower thing there, his name is Jonathan. He's 28, and uh, he lives in Singapore. He's part of our Every Nation Church in Singapore. He's married to, on your far right, her name is Krina. They've been married for two years. And no babies yet, so I'm not yet a grandfather, but they say that it's the best time of a man's life because you can actually spoil your grandkids and not pay the bills. So anyway, I can't wait to have my, my grandchildren. And then my second one on your far left, her name is Jenny. She's 27, still single. And uh, still single, yes. And, and, then, uh, and then the one in the middle, uh, wearing white, his name is Joe. He graduated college last year, finishing up his master's. And, uh, and he's going to be um, looking for a job, and I'm really excited for him. leads worship in our church in Makati. For those of you that are from Manila, he leads worship there. And then the one next to him, his name is Luis. He's 22 years old, 
He's finishing his uh, uh, college degree. Uh, he's taking up industrial design. And uh, he plays the drums and guitar and bass at our church too in Makati. And of course, my youngest one, her name is Sabina. She's 14. And uh, she's no longer a baby. And, uh, and I'm really, really happy with my, with my family. I- I'm a blessed man. Amen. And so if you serve God... It's so good to be here. It's good to see Andy. Andy Saison stayed with us in uh, Manila for, for, for almost, I don't know, long time. <laughs> so he's like, he's like my son. He ate our food, you know, got some of my clothes. I got some of his clothes. And <laughs> it's good, good, to see, good to see Andy here. And of course, everyone here, uh, I'm, this is so much part. The, I, I'm, I'm not a guest here, guys. I'm, I'm part of the family. And uh, I love coming here, love the food. And I can't wait to go back to go have lunch to Proa. Anyway, so they were requesting, Zarina was requesting, where do you want to eat? Uh, and uh, of course, you know, sometimes you say, the, if you're a guest, you'd say, anywhere will do. But if you're part of the family, let's go to Proa. So I, I, I'm, more, I'm more direct with that. So, so we're going to Proa. So it's my favorite place to go. Praise God. Um, let's pray. Father, I, I ask you uh, this morning, give us wisdom to hear what you're saying. Lord, I, I ask you uh, this morning, Lord, that you would just visit us today. Lord, give us fire to believe you once again, to just infuse life and faith in our hearts. In the name of Jesus, and everybody say amen. amen. You know, how many of you like watching movies? Uh, you know, I, I think I've watched two movies already. I got here what, last Wednesday. I watched two movies already. I think I got to watch Pan. I'm in here like the movie Pan. And for those of you, um, for those, oh, do you guys watch movies here? No, I'm just kidding. But no, no, it's always like no reaction. Nobody's saying, yeah, pastors love to watch movies. So we watched that. And last night, what did we watch last night? We saw Goosebumps, um, Goosebump, Goosebumps. I, 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 anyway, that's not anointed, but don't, you, but you can watch it if you want to. If you wanna, if you don't watch that movie, but one, one movie that I'm really waiting for is the movie Star Wars. Okay, I mean anybody Star Wars guys here? May the Force be with you. You know. But one thing about the the new movie Star Wars, the the title of that movie is The Force Awakens. You know, you guys have seen the trailer, the teaser of, the, of this movie. Have you guys, you've seen it? There are two teasers. If you go to YouTube and you find there's number one and number, number two. But the number one, I like it because the opening scene basically goes like this. I'll use the mic. There has been an awakening. Have you felt it? Ah, uh, good, huh? <laughs> you know, uh, the, the reason why I mentioned the movie because I, I, I really believe that the force awakening is actually prophetic. Because there is a force that's, uh, that's awakened in our time. Now, there is a force of darkness that has awakened in our generation. And the things that you see on TV and the things that you hear, it, it's like you've never heard it in, in a long, long time. You have, it's, like, it's like the darkness that's all over this planet is unspeakable. There, there has been so much attack in, you know, against the family. Uh, you know, I, we're, we're not against homosexuals. We're not against that. I believe that God will transform them. But there has been a homosexual revolution. There's so much darkness. There's an attack on the family. 
you read CNN, uh, you read CNN, you watch CNN, and you watch uh, television killings and what's happening in Syria, what's happening in Ukraine, what's happening everywhere. It's almost like uh, it's almost like the enemy is winning, and it's almost like when you when you hear about the ISIS killing Christians, beheading Christians, and you kind of sense what's happening. It's almost like the enemy is stronger than than God and His church and the kingdom of God. You see, there is a force that's awakened, the, the force of darkness. But in the, in the same token, there is also a force of light that is awakened in our generation. To the degree of darkness is, a, is the, the same degree of light that's permeating in this planet. There's so much going on. There's so much harvest. There's so much revival that's happening all across this planet. And in the Muslim world, you watch the TVs. They'll say that, you know, the Muslims are taking over and it's almost like their, uh, you know, their, their agenda is being heard. But you know what? The news will not tell you that there's so much harvest that's happening in the Middle East. There's harvest that's happening in Indonesia. Indonesia is a Muslim country, but you know what? The fastest growing church right now is in, in Indonesia. In Malaysia, you have Malays, Muslims now come to passion conferences. Chris Tomlin concert. And I would be there, and you would see young Muslim boys worship God. And there was one time I was asking, right next, right next to me was a Muslim guy. I was asking, why are you here? God transformed me. I said, don't your elders will be angry with you and all that? No, we don't know. We don't care. Jesus changed my life, and we're here to worship the true God. There's so much light. There's so much happening in, a, in our world today. Let me read to you um, uh, something for those of you that are familiar with uh, this TV network, Al Jazeera, was interviewing this Sheikh uh, Ahmad Al Katani, who's a who's a um, uh, Libyan Sheikh, and he basically said this. He said this: In every hour, six hundred sixty-seven Muslims convert to Christianity. And in January two thousand seven, millions of Muslims convert to Christianity, celebrated Christmas throughout the world. Joel Rosenberg, uh, in his book. He said that more Muslims converted to faith in Jesus Christ over the past decade than at any other time in human history. A spiritual revolution is underway throughout North Africa, the Middle East, and Central Asia. How many can say amen to that? In Sudan, there are one million Muslims have turned to Christ since the year 2000. In Pakistan, in, in the Afghanistan-Pakistan border, they say that entire villages come to know Christ. In Iran... You know, in 1979, you know, the, you know there, they, it was said that there were only about 500 Christians in that nation. But in 2004, there were an estimated number of two, 220,000 Christians in Iran in 2004. That's 2004. It's 2015. There's probably more Christians right now in Iran. In Algeria, there are right now 80,000 followers of Christ. In Iraq, they say that there, there was just a handful before the invasion. And not, right now we have about 70,000 or more Christians that are now in Iraq. How many of you know God is moving? How many of you know there is light that's advancing in our world today? And I believe that Guam, you're going to you're, you're going to begin to experience the wave of the Spirit of God in this place. You haven't seen anything yet. Now, you're, you're happy in this, the four corners of this church. You fit now in one service. But a day is coming that you're going to have two services, three services, four services. It's going to be work. But you know what? Families are going to be restored. There's going to be people's lives will be changed. And you're going to see more and more people 
coming to know the Lord. And you see, Guam, you know, the things that you see here is nothing. God's not done with Guam. There is a harvest that's going to begin to come in this place. You know, the Bible tells us in, in Corinthians, Paul mentions this in Corinthians uh, 16, verses 89. He said it, but I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost for a wide door for effective work has opened to me. And there are many adversaries. The NIV talks about a wide door of, of opportunity, but there are many who oppose me. Did you know to the degree of open doors will be the degree of opposition that we will face? I don't want to, I don't want to sugarcoat, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to say that Christianity is like a bed of roses. It's not. In fact, if you're going to serve God, it's going to be difficult and hard. It's going to be a fight. But the, the beauty of it is that we have the King of Kings and Lord of Lords that's living inside of us. And the devil is afraid of the Jesus in us. He's not afraid of you, but he's afraid of the Jesus in us. You see, that's why the enemy will not just sit down and say, oh, church, life in the sun, just take the campus, oh, just take the city, oh, just take it. No, the enemy is not like that. He says that if you're going to take, I'm going to fight you. But the beauty of this war is that we win the war. Amen. And our battle is not against flesh and blood. Now, I'd like to look at very quickly the story of Jehoshaphat. And you guys are familiar with that. I love the story of Jehoshaphat. I mean, you're familiar with Jehoshaphat. In verse, uh, in, in chapter 20, in Second Chronicles chapter 20, we're going to read uh, four verses. And then um, I will not read the rest of the verses later on. I'm going to just paraphrase it for time's sake. You guys trust me, right? I'm, I'm going to preach out of the word. But I'm just going to tell you the story. But I'm going to read uh, a few verses, uh, verses 1 to 4 and 12 and 13. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites and with them some of the Mayonites came against Jehoshaphat for battle. So there were three kingdoms against Jehoshaphat and his people. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom and from, uh, and from beyond the sea. And behold, they are in Hazazon, Tamar, that is En Gedi. Then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord. And proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And then in verse 12. O our God, will you not execute judgment on them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And in verse 13. Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord. And their little ones, their wives, and their children started to seek God together. You know, one thing about Jehoshaphat was that the first thing he did was to cry out to God. Did you know whatever you're facing today, whatever you're facing this morning, the first thing that you are to do is to seek God and cry out to God. You know, sometimes we put God as the, as the last priority. Sometimes if you have financial problems, what's the first thing we do? We go to the bank for a loan. What do we do if you're a student? If you don't have money, the first thing we do is call our parents or call people that can provide for our tuition fees. When we have issues, we have problems, what do we do? We go to people rather than go to God. Most Christians, they put God as a last priority. And many times, what God does is he, he removes all the other options. And like our brother talked about that, and sometimes there are many choices. And sometimes it makes us confused. It makes us sometimes uh, hesitant to do what we need to do because there's many choices. And sometimes what God does, he removes all options and leaves us with just one option. 
and that option is him. It makes it easier for me when I was a, when I was a uh, high school student. When I would go to uh, the, our cabin after I take a shower, I mean, it was easier for me to dress up because I had probably two pairs of pants and three or four shirts. So whatever that was there, there was no, there was no, no choice. I just had to wear that. But, uh, you know, just re, uh, about a year ago, I was preparing to go to church. And there's one time Ida came to me and said, Joel, let's go. I said, um, I was there in, a, in my cabin. I was saying, I'm having a problem. He said, what's your problem? I don't know what to wear. And then Ida looked at me and looked, looked at my cabin and said, what, what do you mean you don't have? You have so much. That's a problem. I have so much to choose from. And I don't know what to do. How many of sometimes, when there's so many choices, sometimes we end up confused. But what God does, he removes all these other choi- choices, leaves you with one. And what happens is that we're, we're, we get angry with God. Because God removes all these other options. And realize, well, you know, my parents didn't give me money. And we're so angry. Oh, the bank didn't give, give me the loan. And we're so angry. You know why? Because God is setting you up in order to teach us that the only option that you have is him. And Jehoshaphat was in this place where there was no other option but to, but to cry out to God. Three kingdoms and a vast army. The Bible describes a vast army. Anybody here has been in that space before where you felt like you just have no idea what to do? Jehoshaphat was in this place where he had just, I don't know what to do. And he just basically cries out to God. And one thing about Jehoshaphat as well is that he involved the next generation. He said he got all the wives and the children. They were all together seeking God. It wasn't just his battle. It was a battle of the whole church. If we want to teach our children to battle, then join them in for prayer. Then join them in the war. And sometimes our, what happens as, as Christian parents, we shield them from, you know, when our kids go, come, come to us at night, you know, Papa, I feel afraid and all that. Oh, don't worry about that. It's just a dream. No, no, no. no. That could be the best opportunity to teach them to wage war. Go back there and say, you know what you do? You say, in Jesus' name, I rebuke you. So you teach your children to fight back and not scare them. And so he includes everybody and then he prays to God. Jehoshaphat begins to pray to God. He says, Lord, unfair. Anybody here ever prayed to God? And Anybody here complain to God? So he kind of complains to God and tells God, God, these three kingdoms, I remember, Lord, when we were the people of God were going out of Egypt. You told us not to touch them, not to harm them, or not to invade them. And now they, here, here they are, you know, try repaying evil for the good that we've done. That's unfair. How many know the devil doesn't fight fair? Ever. He doesn't fight fair. He won't. And so he prays. And then in verse 12, this is what really what I want to focus on. He says, let me read it again. Our God, will you not execute judgment on them? Judge them, Lord. But he says, we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us, and we do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. There are three things here, which, which I, I believe is to me one of the most anointed prayers that you can ever pray for. He prays his prayer, Lord, we are powerless. And in essence, if you want a shortcut version of that prayer, it's basically this. Help! That was the prayer. It wasn't prayer meeting type of prayer. You know, when you go to prayer meeting, you know, if you get the mic and you kind of pray, you stand here, you kind of, your voice has to be modulated. Lord God. Lord. 
You know, I'm not talking about prayer meeting prayers. I'm talking about prayers when you're so desperate, when you wake up in the morning. Anybody here, anybody here prayed that prayer before? You just have no words to say, but help, 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 help. That was his prayer. God is so attracted to faith, but he's also attracted to the cries of his people. He was, Joseph and the people of God, they were desperate. And the first thing he says, Lord, we are powerless. They acknowledge, it was an acknowledged powerlessness. You know what? The faster you acknowledge you're powerless, the better you are. Because the more you think, I can do it, you know. The faster you acknowledge your powerlessness, the better you are. Paul said, my gra- Paul said, basically said this, my grace is sufficient in Second Corinthians 12. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. My, for my power is made perfect in weakness. You want the power of God? Then, then, then admit your weakness. Admit your powerlessness. Something happens when we admit to God our weakness in humility. God's power shows up in an atmosphere of humility. There's something about when people are the people of God humble themselves. It's not about you declaring to everybody that you're humble. I mean, if you say that you're humble, you're probably not. <laughs> Humility is not something, you know, thank God that I'm really, 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 really humble. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you're really humble, you don't have to say it. But <laughs> never mind. I might say something that's. So there is this uh, acknowledged powerlessness. And then the next thing that he talks about in that, in that verse, he says, uh, we do not know what to do. Anybody here have been in that place? We don't know what to do. When I was a young pastor, I used to be, I used to think that I know, I, if I know verses, if I know scripture, I can easily be like a cowboy. I can go for counsel. You know, I have a, you know, somebody comes to me, you know, I have a problem with money. Are you giving your tithe? I have problems with marriage. Did you forgive? You know, I have this. You know, anybody's like that, you know, the, the know-it-all type of guy. You have all the answers to everything. You know, so sometimes unsaved people don't like us because we know it all. You know, you know I, I used to be like that. But you know what? A day is going to come that you won't, you won't know what to do even as pastors. I don't know most of the issues that people go through. That's why I've learned my lesson when people come up to me and tell me all the financial analysts and the stock market and all that. I'm not the right guy to talk to. Talk to this guy who knows about finance. That's not me. There was this this man who came up to me. I was counseling him for a number of years for his wife to come back. They've been separated for five years. There's one time he looked at me and said, you're a prophet. That's a pressure sometimes I get to introduce as a prophet. What is God saying, you know? And I say, beats me. I mean, I have no idea. Somebody come to the church, pastor, what do you feel God is saying? I don't feel anything, you know. It's lunchtime, I'm hungry, you know. Sometimes, a pre- you know, you're a prophet, you should hear. I hear, but I not all the time. So he comes, he, this guy comes up to me and tells me, Pastor, what, what do you think? 
What's, what, 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 will my wife come back? I looked at him. I said, I have no idea. <laughs> Jehoshaphat basically said, Lord, I don't know what to do. Now, I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to tell you that you should go out of here and not have faith. I'm, I, I, I believe in faith. I believe in faith is just how you view God. But when you begin to say, I don't know what to do, it's a, it doesn't mean that you don't have faith. You're just saying, uh, you're, you're just conf- confessing your limitations. And begin to say, God, but you have all the answers. But he said, I don't know what to do. So this is acknowledged acknowledge, uh, helplessness. And thirdly, he begins to say, but, but my eyes are upon you. This is what we call acknowledged dependence. Many times we have to learn to fix our eyes on Jesus. Fix our eyes on him. To fix our eyes on him. Not on other things, but to fix our eyes on him. You know, I like, um, what time do I have to end? Anybody timing me? Because I can go till four, you know. You know, if you, if you watch tennis, how many of you like tennis? How many of you like Nadal or Federer or Djokovic? The real champion is Roger Federer, actually. So for those of you that are Nandal fans, sorry to say. But anyway, if you look at, like, look at tennis players, tennis players, when I was young, I would watch my classmates play tennis, and their coach, every time they would hit, the coach would always say, good eye, good eye. I said, good, what does that mean? Oh, you know, if you hit the ball properly, there's this nice sound, puck. There's a nice sound in tennis. And, and they say, and then once you hit, hit it well, Coach always said, good eye, good eye. What it basically means is that you were looking, looking on that ball and you hit it properly. So tennis is a, it's a high-speed type of game. I mean, if you, if you don't keep your eyes on that ball, you will lose it because sometimes the, the ball would curve. How many life is a lot of curved balls? And so if you can't keep your eyes on that ball, you will miss it. And so many times we have to have that good eye. So the same way with, with God, God is constantly moving. We constantly have to look to him. Basically, that is the prayer of Jehoshaphat. Now, what happens as I try to land this? What happens? What, what happens when we pray this type of prayer? Now, what happens is that first thing that God does, God responds. Everybody say, God responds. You know, I don't have to tell you that. I don't have to read the the, the verses, but this is what happened. So they prayed this prayer, the whole congregation prays, and then there was a man by the name of Jehaziel. Doesn't even say he was a prophet. Jehaziel basically talks about, speaks the message of God, and basically says this You don't have to worry, do not be afraid, and do not be dismayed at this great horde, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Third your neighbor say, The battle is not yours. The battle is not against your husband. <laughs> the battle is not your wife. The battle is not the people in this church, but the battle, we face enemies in the spiritual realm. But what God says, that whatever battle you're facing, the battle is not yours, but mine. Can you imagine the, probably the, the relief on, on Jehoshaphat when he heard the battle is not his, but God's? You know, that became true to me when I was reading this. I remember when I was in high school, there was this bully in school. And every time we'd play basketball, he was two years older, bigger, 
And he would always bully when he played basketball. He would have his elbow out all the time. I mean, nobody would, could fight him. But we were so sick of him. So three of my friends called him on the telephone. At that time, the, during the 80s, uh, the, the telephones, some of you don't know this, but we used to dial. <laughs> and there's this, there's this you, know, you, know, you know those phones you used to dial? So we called them. And what, what we did, we called them and we put a cloth on the mouthpiece. And so he answered the phone and he said, we're going to beat you up. We told everything we wanted. So we're going to beat you up. We, were, we felt good. We hung up the phone. And, yeah, we were good. The next day, Monday actually, Monday he comes into the classroom, this guy, this big guy. And then he would go row by row. Did you call me? Did you call me? He was asking everyone. And we, were in the, we were in the last row. And we were saying, oh gosh, oh no. <laughs> we, were, we were scared. So but I had a classmate who was a black belt in karate. He came up to me and said, John, don't worry. If he messes with you, he's going to mess with me. I'm going to fight for you. Sarap. <laughs> you know, that's in, anyway, for those, sorry. But that felt good. Probably that's what, that was what Jehoshaphat felt when God said, I'm going to fight for you. The battle that you face is God's battle. Amen. So because of that revelation, Bible talks about Jehoshaphat bowed his head and started worshiping. And, uh, you know, you see, worship is not trying to get God on your side. Worship is having a revelation that God's fighting for you. So they, they, he, they, they start to worship. And then when they began to worship, something happens. Second thing that God does, when it started with that prayer in verse 12. God responds, and then God releases wisdom. And it's so funny because when they, when, they, when, they, when they were worshiping, the Lord releases divine wisdom. You know what? The wisdom of God is different from our wisdom. So he calls his staff, he calls his staff, Jehoshaphat calls his staff, and, and he began to, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're fighting a nation. Let's just say we're fighting China. And then, and then there's war, and then all of a sudden, the Joseph calls his staff and say, I have, I have this strategy. We're going to send Sarah and the worship team here in Elmore. We're going to put them on the front lines. He calls his staff, and he appoints the pastor, says, Sarah, Elmore, you guys, you're in the front lines against China and their warships. How many of sometimes your pastor could be crazy? Anybody here, sometimes you feel like your pastor's crazy. He feels he hears God, he knows God, and then here you are. I hear God too, but somehow you have to submit to your pastor. So he says, you're going to be in the front lines. And by the way, the song I want you to sing is, His Love Endures Forever. I mean, you would choose a song that has to do with war, right? But he says, His Love Endures Forever. That was his song. That was the wisdom from above. In fact, that strategy was so effective that no other military nation ever used it. <laughs> Did you ever read a military book that says the first, this is a different strategies, you know? What's that, that Chinese guy that has a, the, the art of war? What's his name? Yeah, that, whatever that guy. But you'll never find the, the, the war, you know, the, the strategy, okay, send your worshipers. No other nation has ever used that strategy. It was so good that nobody ever used it. Well, why don't we do the Jehoshaphat thing? Let's just worship God. 
So they, what they did was just, they worshiped God. They sent them in the front lines and they began to sing three kingdoms. Can you imagine that? Three kingdoms. Just pretend that this is Jehoshaphat and his army. This is Elmore and Sarah. They were all here. They were singing. And you have China, Yao Ming, and all those guys. And just put in there. How many here have seen the movie 300? I mean, I used to have a body like that. Anyway, you know. You know, so they were, they were, they were these big guys. This are, and you see Elmore and this guy's here. His love endures forever. They're shaking. His love endures forever. So it's Elmore and this guy's here. They were worshiping his love. And then the 300 guys with Yao Ming, they were, they were here and were saying, these guys are crazy. They were going, oh, oh, they were going, they were, they were ready to fight. But what happens is that, which brings me to my third point, that God fights a battle for us. And so what happens, all they did was sing. It started with prayer. In verse 12, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. It started all that. And then everything began to unfold. And so there, this, this guy's here, they were fighting. This, this is sanctified imagination, okay? This would happen. They were going, they were fighting and all. By accident, maybe the other guy from another, there are three kingdoms, right? The other guy probably hit the guy accidentally. And this guy goes, why did you hit me? I didn't hit you. Hits him back. All the way, he hit each other. All of a sudden, they're just fighting one another. They got their souls. All of a sudden, they're all, they're all fighting. And Meanwhile, Sarah and Elmore, they were, his love endures forever. And then go, they're like, what's, what's happening there? And all of a sudden, they see all this smoke, you know, all this dust, smoke. There's all, they're all there. And then all this guy, yeah. It's a rumble here. Three kingdoms. You know what happens? The Lord ambushed them. And so finally, when they were walking, they were, they were marching and they were walking. When they got here, they go, wow, they're all dead. Oh. And sometimes worshipers think that, you know, I'm so good. I brought the people of God in the presence of God. No, it's not you. It's God who fought the battle. All you did was sing. So God fights the battle, and they're right there. Now, I say, and, you know, he, remember God said, I'll fight the battle for you. But he tells them to position yourself. Go out in the morning, position yourself. Now, if you're here today, I'm not saying here that when God fights a battle for you, you're not going to go to work, okay? Oh, I have financial problem. God will fight. Really? I can just do Xbox and, and you know, and, and play my, my PS3. And there's a new PS4. Is there a PS4? PS4, I paid that game, my FIFA and my NBA. Just play. No, I'm not talking about that. You are still to go out to work, take your positions. But why does God, why did God have to tell them to take their position, go out in the morning and march? And God said, I'm going to fight the battle for you. You know why? Because God wanted them to receive by faith the promise of blessing. So finally, when they actually got into the camp of the enemy, the Bible said it took them three days to plunder the enemy. And so when they got in there, they didn't fight it, but they received it by faith. So they, they plundered the enemy, 
and God, all of a sudden they have new shoes, Nike, you know, they got, they got everything, this, this army God. You see, God's desire and heart is to bless you and I. All we've got to do is to trust him and believe in him. So that's what happened. You see, there's a force that's coming up on the earth. There's a force of light that's in this nation, that's in, in America and in the world. Don't believe what news will say. Don't believe, oh, the raptor, the shimita, you know. You know, guys, just read your Bible. Because don't get into all this, all this shimita, you know. I, I, the Bible says nobody knows. And there's a lot of prediction, the 88 reasons, 98 reasons, 103 reasons, all the re- Guys, just read your Bible and make disciples and honor God. That's all you do. If he comes, great. If he doesn't come, we'll still make disciples. The kingdom of God is advancing. And I pray that we would be like the people, like Jehoshaphat, that trusted God. Amen? I'd like the worship team to come up. And let's, let's all stand right now. Am I good on time? Who's timing me? Nobody's timing me. That means I need to go on. Praise God. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. If you're here today and you are in that space, it's almost like you feel like there's a vast army that's against you. Feel like there's, you're, you are in this place where you feel like things are not going exactly the way you want it. If that is you, as your eyes are closed, just lift up your hands and we're going to pray together. If you are in that place right now, and let's pray and pour out our heart to God. If that's you, just lift up your hands. And even as Jehoshaphat prayed, Lord, just in your own words, just say, Lord, I don't know what to do. I'm powerless. But God, our eyes are upon you. Because Lord, you have all power, you have all anointing. Lord, you will fight the enemy. Father God, as we worship, Lord God, we thank you, God, that we worship you in advance already because you will ambush the enemy. There's going to be confusion right now. Just just begin to picture this. The Lord just confusing the enemy right now. The Lord's confusing the works of the enemy. And right now, the Lord's going to begin to bring forth healing in your relationships. The Lord's going to begin to bring breakthrough in the people that you're discipling. There's going to be small groups, small small groups are going to be filled with people. Lord, thank you, God, for your grace, for your anointing. And we give you honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.